anxious to step through the gate again, Major? Yes, I am. We all are. Would you like us to bring back anything special? Uh, no, thanks. Groceries, new outfit, flatware? Hmm. No. Just yourselves in one piece, please. Dial it up. You safe. to the Jemmy Cuddles podcast. Be sure to listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or YouTube. And follow us at Jumping Puddles Podcast on Tumblr and Instagram and Jumping Pud Pod on Twitter. Hi, I'm Sam, and with me are my fellow co-hosts, Tor and Ash. Hello. Hi. And this week, we're talking about the episode Condemned. Shepard's team meets a technologically advanced people, the Elysians, who keep their stargate on a prison island to keep the Wraith satisfied. On their way back to Atlantis, the jumper is shut down and the team crash lands on the island. In order to negotiate a treaty and in search for her, t- her people, Weir visits the planet and discovers just how far the Elysians government would go to keep the society safe from the Wraith. So the first thing I wrote down was, if I remember this episode correctly, it sucks. <laughs> oh, oh no! And did you remember correctly? I, I did. Oh no! Oh, hey. <laughs> um, wow. That was yeah. like, uh, no one like broke their noggin writing this episode huh like Aww. just zero creativity in the writer's room yeah uh in the audio commentary a lot of the stuff they said was like yeah this is like in the movie i don't know or in this movie or in that movie so it were just copying i mean i guess at some point you just start it's hard to come up with something new um so, but in this, I think in this episode, especially, it, it was very, I don't know, just smashing together a few prison movies and, like, taking all the elements and then putting a Stargate there and that's it? Yeah, there was just, like... <laughs> Like this, okay, here's the thing. I feel like you can kind of separate this episode, or at least in my mind, you can separate it into like two parts, right? You can kind of separate it by character dynamics and character work, which I think is something that I actually think the episode does really well, especially considering this is like the first mission with like Ronan. So you were getting all these new dynamics and like, how does he fit? How does John, like, how does he rebel against John? How does John treat him as like, you know, his new like, underling or like his new like guy on his team you know so that stuff is a separate from what i'm bashing about the episode which is just the story and just the story is just horrendous i think in my opinion <laughs> like i'm so sure if we sat here for less than 10 minutes we can make a better episode <laughs> yeah i Another part, I also really like the um, team or, or character moments. I thought that was, yeah, one of the good things. And also, I, I thought it was interesting because we got a bit of, a ins- of an insight into Wraith culture, or at least some part of it. 
Um, it also uh, showed it as the wraith are not just one uh, homogenous mass, but there are like individuals um, who act differently. Like we learned that wraith can indeed eat food similar to the way we do, but apparently it doesn't sustain them, so they still need to feed. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting, and also that some wraith actually make deals with humans with their food source. <laughs> so uh, I really like that. But <laughs> in the same way that we learn more about the wraith, they also, I feel like in this episode, we talked about this before, that the wraith slowly become less menacing. And I think it starts a bit here, because I noticed the wraith doesn't have his cool voice this time. You know, they have this echoey, kind of distorted voice, usually. And it's not that prominent in this episode. He doesn't have this... It's just his voice, a bit deeper, maybe a little bit distorted, but not that much. And I was like, where's your voice? What happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you bring a really good point. That's something I definitely wanted to mention about the whole, like, the tidbits of Wraith culture that we get. Um, and I think it's so interesting that, like, it kind of goes back to our Jumping Puddles canon, which obviously is not entirely original, right? It's based off of the show, clearly. Um, but I know we kind of talked about having, like, sort of, like, how how do the factions work within Wraith cultures, right? And I think this is so interesting because the way that, like, he was, like, like, making deals and stuff, it was, like, yeah, he was an individual Wraith in charge of, like, is he just in charge of this planet or is he in charge of this whole sector? Did he make this deal with a bunch of different planets and he's just kind of been hopping around and like, you know, sampling the cuisine of every planet? Um, and so I think some of it was just so like that stuff, like the last like 10 minute or like that one scene with the Wraith talking with the guy um, was so fascinating just for like all of the new information we get. And I think it sucks because, again, they're just a better episode literally anywhere in this episode like deep 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 down there's just a better one and i think it could have been based on this idea i think it would have been really cool or maybe just more again on wraith culture just in general if again i think maybe maybe it's too early but like bringing like the wraith home world or like a wraith planet where like maybe the team sneaks onto their a wraith planet and then that's when they get you know detained and that's when they get like you know they have to break out of this prison but it's like on this wraith planet and maybe we get to hear more about like what about wraith children do those exist um <laughs> you know like wraith family types do they have those uh are humans just like their little slaves so they just have like a shack full of humans they just go out and like get the cow bring in the bring in the human to eat um Anyways, so that stuff is really interesting. And it just <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that was really interesting. That like two minutes of hearing the, that Wraith talk. I was like, wow, this is good. And then he stopped talking and then it got bad again. Yeah, I think the point of about them being able to consume um, human food with no deleterious effects to their own self is really interesting. I didn't realize that they could do that until rewatching this episode. 
And I feel like, like you were saying, Sam, it could have been used to make a more interesting episode in the future, even, at least, where maybe they had a wraith infiltrate Atlantis. Like, pretend to be a refugee from a planet that was undergoing a, um, like, wraith attack or something, and then, like, pretend to be a victim, but, like, disguised as a human. Like, they could hide really well among the humans because they could eat their food and pretend to be, like, you know, but is really a wraith. So that could have been, like, an interesting thing down the road since they dropped the slur that they did absolutely nothing with. Um, in addition to the fact that I think the Wraith had mentioned that he, he had a deal with other Wraiths to, like, also have them feed on the planet. Was that what he was saying? Or did I misinterpret that? Wasn't it that he, that no other Wraith would come to this planet and it was just his? Uh, yeah. So I thought it was like this. I would like to see, like, interactions between Wraith in regards to territory. Like, we've seen them as this guerrilla brute force, but never any sort of, like, nuance in terms of, like, their interpersonal communications between different fleets. So it'd be interesting to see that sort of dynamic, good or bad, also. But we don't really, I don't think, in the future, (laughs) that much... So no, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but now I'm kinda imagining that the Wraith at some point they just um split the galaxy among themselves and just like <laughs> they're like uh each or each faction or each yeah, maybe each faction has like one part of the galaxy that they own or that they just use as feeding grounds. And then probably within the factions they also have like different ranks or different um, positions where they're each wraith or each like commanders are given different again different sections of like the bigger ones so that would be interesting also like the hierarchy of the wraith uh, civilization or culture yeah I think it goes back to something um, that we talked a lot about with Ty on the Daniel Jackson bonusode, with the whole topic of othering and how SG1 tends to other cultures and, you know, especially Atlantis is really bad at doing that. Um, and I think it sucks that, like, they just never cared enough to develop the Wraith as, like, a functioning society. They just wanted them to be the bad guys, like, plain, white, and simple. Even though, like, when you think about it inherently, like, they're not even the bad guys it's just in their biology (laughs) like uh sucks to suck like how do we fix them was what atlantis thought they didn't they didn't even like attempt to really understand the rights position um and so again i think it just sucks that like we get this little interesting tidbit and they just never do anything with it and i think again this could have been so interesting and just such an important episode to really kind of set the tone of what season two was going to be maybe again like planting the seeds of oh they could have like name dropped like you know in our version we have the council of queens they could have name dropped there was a council of queens that could have been like the wait there's a whole bunch of queens that work together that like rule you guys it could have been like a staggering like a bomb drop moment you know um again we could have you know we talked about 
they could have been to a race planet or maybe we could have gone again maybe it's too soon because i think the next episode right is it trinity is that the one where we kind of mention the ancients okay so maybe it's too soon to do like an ancient episode um but it would have been fun if maybe some shenanigans happen and we find out is maybe it's, it's too early to find out if the ancients technically made the race or we could have gotten like a hint of that again i just feel like this episode could have laid the groundwork for future stories and there's just like nothing <laughs> i i think it's easy to say that this is like the worst episode of the show so far yeah i i was thinking the same thing um i was trying to write it and was like i i don't know how how low i can i want to go but yeah i think for me it's also the worst one so far because it just it as a whole, it just doesn't do anything for me emotionally. Um, it's when I, I I I just checked which episode we were recording next. I was like condemned, and I was like, which episode is condemned? And I, I literally I couldn't remember which one is what it was. And then I remembered I was like, oh right, that one. <laughs> so I wasn't super thrilled about it as well. Yeah, I think there are some good moments or some some interesting thing what you mentioned before about the Wraith, some good character or team dynamics. I like Elizabeth, of course, that we saw her in a, her element a bit. But apart of, uh, from that, it just it it just it doesn't seem to fit together well. I don't know if that makes sense, but it it felt not really cohesive. Maybe it just felt like a bunch of different plots happening. And they were connected, but I didn't really feel like it. Yeah, and I suppose looking at this episode in terms of the bigger picture, like the whole um, season and the series as a whole, it doesn't have that much, if any, plot um, impact. Um, even though it could have. Like, one thing that made me really sad was the character that they had introduced from the penal colony, um, Alden, uh, was never talked about ever again. Uh, he expressed an interest in going to Atlantis, uh, with the team. They invited him to come back to Atlantis. I'm assuming he went back with them and we just never, uh, see him again. And in terms of his character introduction, I was interested in him. I thought, oh, here's this guy who, like, um, has a lot of knowledge on how to build explosives and uh, weapons, and that could be really useful in terms of um, fighting the Wraith, because even though, like, they had sticks and stones basically to build this, this, this weaponry with, he was able to destroy ancient tech. Uh, literally destroyed the Puddle Jumper to the point where it did not function at the end of the episode, and Rodney couldn't even fix it. So, I think... He had a lot of potential, even in terms of his character personality, to um, be an interesting addition to the science team. How would he and Zelenka interact? How would he and Rodney interact? Was he really as innocent as he was claiming to be of the crimes that he had allegedly committed? Uh, and how would that affect how everybody saw him on Atlantis? That sort of thing, I think, could have been interesting... Just to have another person that was not from Earth on the expedition. But again, it was one of those things that was just like, oh, wouldn't that be cool? And then was dropped. 
Which is unfortunate. Yeah, when you said that you assumed that he get got back with them to Atlantis, I was just like, and then never seen again. I was like, yeah, he probably, I think he got back with them. And now he's just chilling with Sora in the basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Accurate. So, yeah, just yeah, collecting I mean, aliens and then just stuck them, stick them in the basement. Yep. No, because, I mean, when you really think about it, right? I mean, it's it's really sweet of Atlantis to be like, hey, yeah, you can come with us. And yeah. there's that really funny moment where Ellen's like, wait, can I? He's like, can I come with you guys? And John's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. You're coming with us. <laughs> John's like, yeah, shut up. You're coming. Don't worry. Um, it was really sweet that they want to take him on. But then I remembered, right, because it has been a while since we've recorded and watched Atlantis. But at this point in time, like the race still think Atlantis is like completely gone. So generally, they cannot let him go. It. So since he went through the wormhole, he is, like, stuck with them. And it's just kind of crazy that they never show him again. Because they were literally like, we can't tell anyone we're here. They haven't been telling anyone. They've been saying, oh, Atlantis is destroyed. Like, we're, we're you know, we're alone. Like, we we got we moved somewhere else. And then they just, like, kidnapped this alien. And now they're like, we're holding you hostage. You can't leave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought that was really interesting. Because he really he can't leave if, by the logic of the show... Um, and I was going to say, I was like, oh, maybe he's just on the mainland, but I like the idea that he's just in the basement with Sora. They just throw him down there, and he's like, oh, hey. And she's like, oh, my God, another person? Some company. She's like, oh, my God, were you kidnapped for the Atlanteans, too? And he was like, oh, my God, yeah. They can they can bond over that. He could be, like, the weapons fairy and, like, have blueprints to, like, different types of things that they could use and just leave them, like, overnight where no one can see him, and then he just goes back down to the basement to hang out. <laughs> so glad. I think actually they they would work great together because Sora is Janai, right? So I'm not exactly sure what kind of um, education she has and what like what's her specialty. But the Janai were also building like bombs and stuff like that, things to fight the Wraith, and he's basically he's doing the same. So I think they would get along. Uh, no, I think so too, and I think it's it would just be so funny that like Atlantis has a like a prison down in the basement for all the like aliens they just pick up along the way and Pegasus, like it's just so on brand for them. <laughs> all of their war crimes, why not add like kidnapping hostages onto the list of uh, many, many list of crimes they've committed? It's funny because either they they just like collect aliens and put them on the flagship team, or they just move them into the basement. Yeah. There's no in between. <laughs> oh my gosh! They're like you're worthy, and <laughs> they're like you're unworthy. <laughs> basement. It's like uh, like a uh, Toy Story where like when Andy just like leaves <laughs> some of his toys behind, and it's like you're not gonna play with me. Like I'm your favorite toy. That's Atlantis. They're like Taylor, Ronan, come with me. And Sora and Elden are like, nah! <laughs> uh, no, I was just going to say, um, a while ago, I uh, posted some pictures on my Tumblr uh, just of some ideas that we were talking about um, in terms of what Atlantis would have looked like sort of in our canon, how more Greek and Minoan inspired it is. And I can't, I always just picture that when we're talking about Atlantis now. And I just started 
cracking up because I was remembering that in one of the pictures that I posted, it was a canal. They had an underwater canal thing, right? Like an underwater like channel. It's like <laughs> I like to think it's just like a little circle of freeway. And there's like exits. They can just <laughs> take their boat out and go to this hall or go to this like the dormitory. And anyways, right? And so I just like to think that um, like Sora and Eldon just row their boat there sometimes for like some freedom. They're like, oh my god, fresh air. <laughs> they're just like rolling around in there. <laughs> and they're like, all right, back to working. And they go to like the secret, like one of the candles is just named like prison. And they just roll their boat down there. It just and it's like just their whole their whole under yeah, their whole underworld. It's not, it's not even a prison anymore. They like turned it into just like they've like ripped it apart, like made like a bed frame out of it. Like they've just like reworked it completely. It's just a house now. They flipped it. <laughs> they flipped it. <laughs> they flipped it. <laughs> I guess they have, like, some universe. DIY furniture. <laughs> just got a camera crew Elton's down there. like, you know, we can <laughs> Elton's like, we can rent this place out, you know. And so I was like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> How much should we charge a month? <laughs> They're renting it to like the burned out scientists. <laughs> Yeah, they can't be They're too They're like, no, I'm going to find you here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, They're like, want to escape from Rodney for a day? Come hang out in the prison. <laughs> they keep the name. They keep the name. It's called the prison, but it's actually, it's like, it's like upside down or something. So it means the apples opposite. Right? Yeah, it becomes ironic. <laughs> yeah. They're like, enjoy! They're, oh, oh my god, they totally, like, milk the experience to, like, like, market the hell out of it. Like, enjoy an accurate Atlantean prison! They're like, come witness what it must have felt like 10,000 years ago. I love it. That's so on brand for Sora. She's a boss, babe. Heck yeah. Yes. Enterprising. Good for her. Um, but speaking of the chosen ones... Uh, Ronan and Taylor, <laughs> and not the aliens that are abandoned in the basement. But yeah, I I really enjoyed uh, their whole dealio in this episode. I think we're getting the seeds of what is soon or fast becoming um, their great friendship. Um, they have a great connection, I feel like. Uh, even from the first scene in The Jumper, uh, where Rodney... <laughs> very foolishly was like nobody's on the planet or there's like a big smoke cloud from fire and Ronan's like uh and he looks at Taylor and Taylor's like laughing and rolling her eyes so cute one of many looks they share um earth men are stupid looks that they share (laughs) um also like her uh, wrapping his leg in the jumper after he gets injured was really sweet. Um, and them kicking ass together at the end of the episode, just so flawlessly working in tandem. Uh, like they've been doing it all their lives, just really cool to see. And I think that every episode should have a Taylor and Ronan team up fight scene. Uh, <laughs> not just this yes. one. Yep. I love them. I love that uh, their connection because they are both aliens. They're both they're both from like aliens to to 
the Atlantic Atlantis expedition. But they are both from a Pegasus galaxy. They both fought the Wraith for so long that they don't just have. They are still, I guess, Taylor a bit less by now, but they're a bit of outsiders still in Atlantis. So they still, and they um, very quickly have this this relationship. That's really, yeah, really fun to watch. And um, yeah, I I love them. And Taylor, Taylor is such a mom friend. Like she she keeps checking on everyone all the time. Um, <laughs> Not just on Ronan. But yeah, I I love that we saw Taylor fighting with uh, Sticks again. Because Yay! I don't remember that oh, that she does that a lot like in in action and not just in a training room. Like we see her, her training a lot of times, but we don't see a lot of her skills in yeah in action. So I really enjoyed seeing it in the second season. So they still remember. <laughs> That's so right. Oh, yeah. Because I think the last time that she fought with sticks in action, like against a wraith, was uh, uh, Suspicion. I think so, too. That was one season ago, pretty much. I think Suspicion is episode six or five, even. Five, I think it's five. So, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And the sound is so satisfying, like the snaps that the sticks make when they hit her, like the enemy is so good. Just love it. Good sound design. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of, I'm going to say, they kind of slapped with like the fight choreography too this episode for sure. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, going back, I think it's so fun too, because I think that. I, you know, I want to give credit where credit is due. And I think a lot of it goes to Jason and Rachel. I think they have a lot of natural chemistry. Like, a lot, just like, I don't know. They just have, like, such good vibes. Like, whether or not you see it as platonic or romantic, whatever. I just feel like they just have such natural chemistry together. And it always just feels genuine. And I think it's fun to see that just from the first, you know. I mean, technically, it's like their second episode. You know, their first off-world mission. Like, you already see, like, you know how close they are, even though, again, Ronan's been there for, like, two episodes. <laughs> and they didn't even get along in their, like, second one. <laughs> um, I was going to transition it into just Ronan appreciation. Because, again, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just the Ronan love goggles that I have on, or if they're just, like, completely blinding me from everything. But just the way, kind of, like, Ronan fits in so well is just kind of crazy to me. This is their first off-world mission. This is their first time he's really interacting with Rodney, for example. He didn't really have a lot to interact with with Rodney before. This is the first time he's kind of, you know, uh, with Taylor on, like, kind of, like, good terms. I know they were on, like, kind of terrible terms last episode. Um, And again, it just kind of, it blows my mind that it feels so natural and just so easy and fun. And it's just this episode. Like, he feels like he's been here, like, forever. Like, it does it does not feel like this is his first off-world mission. Totally agree. It's like a seamless entrance into this world for him, for sure. Like, it's not... There's no... No bumbling. There's no, like, what are we doing? Like, there's no dragging the feet or anything. Like, it's just bam, mission. Um, bam, chemistry. Everything is just on point. <laughs> 
one, you know, I know we, I, you know, praised him and Taylor too, but obviously with him and John and him and Rodney, you know, there's just such a different dynamic to each of them. And, you know, they're all equally important. Obviously his friendship with Taylor is super important, but his kind of um, like military leader, you know, and, you know, soldier kind of, uh, but like also still friends. And like John's trying not to be that military leader and Ronan's trying to test and start test on to see where the line is for John, you know, and see what kind of leader he is, but like still in like in a friendly tone. And then just kind of like his like bickering with Rodney is, is very reminiscent, obviously of Ford, but they kind of just see more like, <laughs> they kind of just see more like even more sharp, I guess. Like, I feel like they could have more of a back and forth maybe than Ford and Rodney. I feel like maybe they would have like a quick one too, but I feel like, Ford and Rodney could just go on for hours where they just be arguing and just go back and forth until one of them finally gives up. And it's Rodney because he's just like, you don't get it. And he just walks off or something crazy. Or Ronan just because he's like, I'm bored. But, um, but yeah, so I just think, again, so what this episode does terribly is the story. But I do think it just does an insane job of setting up everyone's dynamics and all the friendships and just the team dynamic in general. And again, I feel like it just has to go to the actors credit to all the actors, uh, just for all of them having just such natural chemistry, just fitting in together, like puzzle pieces. Yeah. I, I mostly agree with what you two have said, but to me, it doesn't, didn't feel completely seamless. Like I think, uh, Ronan, fits well into the team. I, I enjoy all the um like the new dynamic that they have. Um I love Ronan. I, I just I, I enjoy watching him and doing his thing. But I felt like he as you said Sam, he was still like testing um maybe te- also testing like as uh, exactly where his place is or maybe he wasn't I don't think that he was unsure of what his place was, but he was just like, yeah, testing the limits of how far, far he could go and, um, how much he, like, I think he, he still, in the end, he is accepting that he's now part of a team and he's not on his own anymore and that he can, can't just do whatever he wants. He has to listen to John, but I felt there was like a, Mm, quite a conflict actually between John and uh, Ronan, especially in the scene where they are tied up and Ronan is trying to get, uh, they're all trying to get free. And um, uh, I think at some point Ronan asks if uh, John is giving him an order and John is like, I don't want to give you an order, but if you need that, then yes, it's an order. So um, I thought it was interesting to watch um, but because I didn't really like, especially in those those scenes, I didn't really get like a friendship vibe. It was more like a commander and I don't know trying to rein in one of their uh, subordinates or something. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed watching all the the new um relationships. Yeah, you bring up a salient point. I think the tension between them um, is interesting in the sense that 
Shepard has never really had to exert military authority over any of the members of the team in such a manner before. Like, he's never had to be like, I order you to do this. I don't remember, anyways. Um, there was maybe um, one time where Taylor um, sort of didn't agree with what um, Shepard wanted, but wasn't like, well, I'm going to do it anyway, sort of thing. So it was an interesting, it was interesting to see him have to step into that role as an authority figure when he so often is the one bucking against authority. Um, and I'm kind of sensing a transition in the team dynamic where now they're like, okay, we can't have John be the super crazy temperamental emotionally driven person if he's going to be the leader of the team. So we can maybe give some of that energy or those characteristics to Ronan and then have John be sort of the, the, the leader more act more in, in a leadership role. Um, so that, that was interesting, but I feel like, uh, he, at the same time, he doesn't want to have to be in that position. Like, he doesn't want Ronan to be questioning things that he asks him to do. Like, he doesn't want to be the man. Uh, so I think that assertion, <laughs> like, I couldn't order a pizza right now if I wanted to, but whatever. Like, this idea that he doesn't want to do it is is nice. Because I feel like it, it falls nicely into his character, who is sort of this lackadaisical, um, anti-authoritative guy. No, I'm totally agree. I, I meant more like seamless and just like how like natural it feels, I think, which is and I love, don't get me wrong, I love that like him and John don't really start off on like seeing, you know, on the same page kind of. And I honestly think it should have gone on for longer or at least maybe one more episode um, instead of just kind of like, I feel like it was more in the background in this episode. And I feel like I would have preferred if it was like maybe like a two episode sort of thing and then John finally snaps in the second episode and it's like, I'll give you order fine. <laughs> um, but I just think it's such, it's so interesting, um, especially, you know, knowing Ronan's background, his military background, um, and sort of how he was in the military. And then obviously he was not for like seven to eight years. And he's been on the run. He's been the one making the shots, pulling the shots, you know, and having to kind of rein himself in and be that person who he used to be and like listening to others, I think is just such an interesting um, sort of just not even just story plot, just an interesting character uh, development that we could have had if it went on for longer instead of just like random bits here and there. Because after this, I feel like I, I don't remember if I don't think there's ever really a time afterwards where Ronan disobeys John. I'm trying to think. Sometimes just runs off, but then it's something that they want to do, do anyway. <laughs> I don't have any, any proof yeah, right now. That's just like a feeling. He just sometimes just starts running and they're like, oh, fuck, okay, I guess we'll go. <laughs> I think the only other time, but it's not really against John, is uh, in the shrine, right? When mm-hmm. Woolsey's like, Jennifer's like, you're not taking Rodney. And Rodney's like, I'll take him alone if I have to like kind of more of a threat rather than just um actually doing it um so that is kind of a missed opportunity because i think it would have been really difficult for ronan to sort of get back into that headspace of okay i'm like 
you know, 20, 19 years old again, and I'm taking orders from a guy who's an alien, not even like, you know, he's an alien to me, you know, he's, he's not from the Pegasus. He doesn't know how things work here. And yet I have to take orders from him and I have to sort of rein my like rage in. And I think that would have probably, it would have been so fun. <laughs> I say fun, but it would have been fun for me and <laughs> fun for the audience mm-hmm. um, to kind of see him. I honestly think that's a whole entire season's worth of like material to dive into, or at least half a season of sort of development with Vernon. Yeah, it, it kind of sucks because, well, this is kind of going into something else, but I'm not sure as of yet, right? We're on episode five. I'm not really seeing some of the, I, I'm not really sure where, if our characters are really having that sort of development, right? As they did in season one, where it's like a multiple episode growth and it is early in the season you know um well i am i'm wondering if we're gonna get anything by like the mid-season you know episodes if there is some sort of gradual arc for any of the characters yeah i'm I'm trying to remember if the character growth in the first season started that early as well because i i always remember the first few episodes of Atlantis except Rising being a little, like not my favorites and just like just a bit like uh the first season uh, the the first episodes of season 2 as well they are more like um single episodes not not that connected mm-hmm. yet so it starts a little bit later so yeah it will be interesting to see how the season uh progresses and um back to Ronan for a bit. Yeah, I as one of you two said, um he he was used to call his own shots for seven years and also to fight for his life constantly. So I think he probably uh just built up some some not reflexes, but just like the way he, he acts around uh or when he's threatened or in a in a situation where he might not come out alive or where he just he, I think he just has in his mind he just has constantly has to fight and um maybe has trouble accepting help because he has bad experiences with that because others had to suffer when he uh, accepted their help so yeah I think he has a lot of issues and it would have been Interesting. I think we touch on a few of them in this one with the, especially with the authority thing and with the seeing more, um, like the broader picture maybe on how they can get off this planet and out of the situation. Um, but yeah, there are a few more things that would have been fun to, uh, be explored. I, I wanted to say that really quick. I think, I think Rodney was the only one to kind of start getting his character growth right super early. Mm-hmm. I'd say hide and seek. Kind of hit. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, and it definitely kind of reached its climax. I kind of want to say, or like at least like the point where it became like very obvious to the audience uh, in the Defiant one, right? That's because that's when the guy is like, "You've changed, McKay," and Rodney's like, "What?" And he's like, "You want yeah, to in the help. storm as well, right?" Yeah, yeah, that as well too. And so I think you you made a good point. Honestly, I ne- I totally like I never realized that like they kind of start the character work quite late 
in the season, which is interesting. Because you're right, like Elizabeth and Taylor, the little that they get, it all started at the end. Same with Ford, kind of. I don't know if we even had an arc, but like we got more Ford in the last few episodes, right? And then <laughs> John, maybe John was kind of just kind of spread out throughout the season or maybe more early on, right? I think it also reached ahead for like the storm, the eye, kind of that whole thing. We kind of finally stepped up a little more. Um, but that's interesting. And I, yeah, you're right. I guess we'll have to try, you know, keep a lookout for that when we get past the mid season, um, to see if they do anything. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> we got sad. <laughs> but one way to lift it up as speaking of Rodney, I think he had a really good episode this episode. Um, compared to last week's episode, um, I think we see a bit more of the, the serious character development that I like in Rodney and the less of the caricature Rodney. Um, there's some interesting personality, uh, points in this episode. Uh, one of my favorites was... Um, the, I don't remember his name, the penal colony leader man, uh, who is threatening him to fix the jumper, uh, has a line where he says, you know, you, you have a better moral character than people are led to believe. And, uh, the way to threaten you to do something is not to threaten you, but to threaten your friends. And I think he just nailed Rodney, like, personality right there. Because I think he puts on a front, and superficially, um, he may appear to be a very shallow and unloving person, but um, 100% he was right that threatening the team was the way to set the fire under him to try and fix that jumper. Uh, and it's kind of a nice bow on his whole um, sort of redemption arc, as I like to call it, on season one. We're just reinforcing, like, yeah, this is this is Rodney's true character deep down inside. Uh, and it was nice to see that reiterated, especially from someone outside who has never even met him before, like, known anything of him, but, like, the two-second interaction that they originally had. I love that. This guy took, like, one look at Rodney and was like, okay, this guy's putting up a front. That's his true character. I was like... We took a whole season to like just discuss it and point out all the instances, and he just did it in like, yeah. <laughs> also, I loved the little MacGyver re- reference. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah. So cute. Yeah, you know, yeah, you. That's so true, and I'm really happy that you brought that up to her because at least there's like one sort of like nice little bow on something that was mentioned in season one <laughs> you know and i'm i'm trying to think again maybe i'm just maybe i'm just putting too much hope into this show maybe i'm just treating it as more than just a kid's show you know but i really wonder like you know we'll see obviously by the end of the season well my answer will be my question will be answered um but i really wonder sort of what was if there's an evolution for rodney this season what it is because mm-hmm. i can't remember it as of right now like, he did his big growth in season one, and I'm trying to remember what else happens in season two, and I'm like, I don't... Does he... 
What's the? Do any of these characters move forward? <laughs> that is to be determined. Ooh. TBD. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely be keeping an eye on it here. But um, another thing I thought was interesting point that they brought up about Rodney uh, was this idea that he um, sort of conflates things and says things are impossible to make himself look better when he actually accomplishes them. So I wanted to ask you guys, our Jumping Puddles panel here, if you believe that that's true, that Rodney exaggerates the impossibility of something to make it look even better when he achieves it? Or do you just think that he has a negative outlook? And so whenever he's faced with a problem that seems insurmountable, he really believes that it is until he applies himself to it. I think it's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, because I feel like Whitney, like at first, he will do both, right? So he will say he needs this amount of time and then finish early, or he will he will say like an impossibly short amount of time in order to like then take or not in order, but and then he will end up taking a lot longer than that. I don't remember which episode it is, but I think I watched it recently, and I think it was one where he's collaborating with um Todd and he says like he gets nine hours or something and then it cuts to like nine hours later and John comes in and was like okay time's up and he's like what time is up already how I didn't sleep <laughs> or something like that and then in this episode he says like yeah in an ideal world he would need two uh days but in this situation he needs just like ten minutes and <laughs> um so yeah, and to come back to your question, I honestly don't think that he, I don't think he's doing the Scotty move. Like, you know, Scotty always <laughs> says he needs much more time. And I think it's kind of, I don't know if it's, if it's the origin, but it's like, yeah, I, I read it in like a trope list of this episode. It was like the Scotty move. Um, but I don't think that Rodney does that. I think he... He has a realistic slash pessimistic <laughs> look uh, outlook on things and tries to um, uh, take a good guess on how long he will take. And then, I don't know, things come up, things change, they find a different way to do things and then he ends up taking less time or more, depends. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't think he, he would have embellish uh, his his um, actions that way for some reason. <laughs> yes. No, I agree. Um, I totally agree. I don't think he's the type to really be all like, I need this amount of time, like stat, and like try to make it seem like he's the hero every time, especially because this, this happens all the goddamn time where they're like, Roger, quick, we need something done in two hours. And he's like, I can't do that. They're like, you only have two hours. And he's like, okay. I personally, I like to just think that he, like the first number he gives out is like his, like in a perfect world, if I had all the free time, if I included breaks. And then the second time that they give him is usually like, 
Rodney, this is Atlantis time. You can't do like the fancy science stuff that you're used to. You can't like take your time with anything. And he has to just be like, all right, I got to half-ass it. So that's kind of, especially this one too, where he's like underneath the jumper, like basically like uh, carjacking when he's like just fusing things together. Like he's just basically, I think he's really learned, especially on Atlantis, like a like a quick way to do things and like a way to just like, without all the fancy, without all like the niceties, he just like got to get the job done like smush things together and so i like to think again that he's like the first time he gives is like okay if i do it nicely if you guys want it to work again he's like y'all give me two days and they're like you have to you have 10 minutes and he's like all right then this will never fly again and he's or like all right like this is gonna be zelenka's problem afterwards not mine so <laughs> that's kind of how i see it it's just him like unfortunately they've just like forced him be- to become like like, abandon all of his, like, scientific, like, uh, procedures and all of his steps. And he just has to skip to, like, step, like, 18. <laughs> and he's like, all right, shit, gotta, like, plug this in. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's reduced to MacGyvering it so much, <laughs> as you said in the episode. No, I think I agree with you both. Yeah, yeah I, I think... I find it hard to believe that he, he would do that. Because he does it, like you said, all the time. Like... They rely on him to do so much off-world and on Atlantis. And it would just be like, they already know and trust him to do, like, these things. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he has to convince them by, you know, making a show of it. Like, oh, I can do these amazing things. Like, no, they know. And they're already asking you. Like, there's a line of people asking you to do stuff. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think... He's just a realist. And, <laughs> and uh, his time estimates are genuine. I do like the domestic that it causes between him and John in this episode. I thought it was really funny uh, where John is like, oh, we'll do this when they're trying to fix the jumper. And Rodney's like, and do you want a sandwich too? Like, of all, <laughs> all these things that you're asking me to do, like... Am I your maid? I just, I love it. It was so, so good. Yes. Yes. Also, another great mix-up moment is when, I forgot where exactly, but when John calls him out, he's like, Rodney, you're a shit liar. He's like, you're such a bad liar. Rodney's like, well, okay, fine. I did lie. <laughs> John's just like, I know you. You're bad at this. So, so, so it's so domestic. <laughs> it's very much, we've been together for too long. <laughs> Stuck in space. I know you too well. I love it. The vibes are great. Oh, but I forgot to mention, when we were talking about Ronan, Ronan and Rodney, um, the whole beginning of the episode where uh, Ronan was eating the food at the fire, and Rodney was like, ew! And then Ronan's like, it's good. And then Rodney's like, really? Really? It's one of those moments where I think starts their whole Ronan lying to Rodney and Rodney believing everything he says thing. Uh, Oh, yeah. Cannot wait for that in the future. Um, But also, I just have this idea in my head. I don't know if I'm projecting, but I feel like Rodney is such a picky eater and Ronan's delight in certain foods gets him to, like, try different things. (laughs) I think it'd be nice bonding for them. Oh my god, yes, I love that. 
I was going to say too, you know, I think I just have to admit it publicly. I feel like I've been like dancing around it, but I just think I really love Rodney and Ronan. <laughs> like, I think they're one of my favorite Atlantis pairings. Um, whether, I mean, I can kind of see it romantic sometimes. Sometimes I just like the bickering though. Um, but again, it's like the Daniel Tilk of it all, which I just love. It's like tiny, tiny scientists and big, big man who must protect scientists. <laughs> yeah. But they're like, but they're, but they're like, like opposite sides of the coin, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause it's like Daniel and Tilk are so sweet. And Daniel's like, I trust you with my life, Tilk. And Tilk is like, oh my God, yay, bestie. And on the other side, it's like Rodney, like being picked out by Ronan, you know, or being like forcefully hugged by Ronan. And Ronnie's like, oh, like, hugs or like <laughs> stuff like that so it's just so like we're like uh, i'm sure there's like a scene where just like uh Ronan just drags rodney to i i want to say it's like epiphany or maybe a uh, night uh the nightmare one i don't know if there's an episode where rodney's talking and Ronan's just like bitch come here and he just drags him like away he's like you're coming with me sir <laughs> and so i just i'm obsessed with their dynamic and i'm gonna just keep bringing it up and i just think from the beginning again rodney and Ronan have not interacted really at all for these past two episodes. I mean, we do get that great moment uh, in Runner where Ronan saves Rodney while he's hanging upside down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they haven't had much conversation. And so I think they just did such a great job with this episode. And I think, again, it's just these little moments that sort of make the episode not completely like unwatchable. I still think it's terrible to watch. But at <laughs> least when you're watching it and if you just pick out the little moments, you're like, this is great. Um because, yeah, there's that really great moment uh, with the Goldilocks. And then right after, when Ronan is shot with the arrow, and Ronnie's like, are you okay? And he keeps looking at Ronan's leg like, girl, can this bitch move? And Ronan's like, I'm fine. Run! <laughs> you know? And kind of, again, just going off of the little moments with Ronan, um, I love, again, he's kind of already assumed his protector role. Again, something so small, but when they're in the pedal jumper at the end and John kind of runs out and then it's like Taylor and then like Ronan like pushes or he like motions for Rodney and Eldon to go and he kind of takes up the last spot. And I just love that. Like he's already assumed like I'm in the back, like I'm protecting them so they go first kind of thing. Um, Just got to shoot out a bunch. There's the last one. There's also a really funny moment. When they're all in the magistrates or whatever the guy's name is, uh, his like office thing, and like they're talking on the phone with Elizabeth, um, and I just left the back. Like John's on the phone, and it's like Taylor's in the background, like she's like looking at this lamp, she's like pointing, and she's like just like staring at this lamp for some reason. Okay, but the funniest part is Ronan and Rodney at this food table. And Ronnie's like picking at the food, and you just see Ronan. Do you see him? He's stuffing food into his pockets. And like into his holster, like he keeps going for like more than five seconds. He's just putting food into his little like he's literally like opening something and putting it in. The, like I was cracking up. We kind of got off way off topic of the Rodney and Ronan thing, but it's like their love for food is so funny together. Um, but again, I just love like these little moments that like Jason kind of put into Ronan, and I just think it's so in character especially because Ronan's still like I might be on the run and I feel like he would be like I gotta stock up on food really quick to like just in case if I need it later and I feel like you know oh man that's this goes into another wormhole but I think it'd be so interesting if he kind of had like a problem with like food hoarding (laughs) or something on Atlantis and someone had to talk to him and be like listen babe (laughs) like it's okay you can you know you're good with us here you can like 
you don't have to do that anymore. But like things like that, where he's like very possessive of certain items, right? Maybe he's like very like, no one comes in my room. They have to do like a, like a, like a cleaning check or something in the military. And Ronan's like, you are not entering. Um, anyways, that's just spitballing ideas. But again, I just love the little moments that just really make this episode for me. Yeah, I totally agree. You know what made the episode for me? Elizabeth! <laughs> yes! We get to see Talk her again. <laughs> and in her element. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It was... Because... Was she in the last episode? Barely. Remember, Barely, she was right? Like, uh, it was duet. Yeah, so she was like... Rodney, go Oh, yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was there, but it wasn't a lot about her, but... Oh, she's. I think she has some of her most badass moments in this episode. Just the way, maybe it's the way this episode was shot because she has a kind of a standoff with the magistrate. I think it's so powerful and it's just, it keeps getting closer. Like the close ups are getting closer and closer. <laughs> and again, in this whole scene or in the whole interaction with the magistrate, it's again. They are negotiating, or they want to negotiate like a treaty between the two, whatever. And she, at some point, she realizes that it's this guy is very fishy, <laughs> and she just breaks it off. And just the whole time, again, she has like the upper hand for some reason, not for some reason, because she's just that good. And it's just I love to watch her just like being so, I don't know. So self-assured, so steadfast in her position. And it's just it's so much to watch. It. She's so beautiful. And I also love like Lauren's team just around her and kind of like having her back and being like, bitch, <laughs> don't mess with her. Because if you mess with her, we're going to mess with you. So yeah, that was really, yeah, really, really fun to watch. Yeah, I love the line where... He basically told her, like, oh, watch your words. And she was like, oh, I'm watching them very carefully. And I'm accusing you of being a grade-A asshole, basically. And I was like, yay! Go, Elizabeth! She's amazing. Um, wonderful. You're so right. Her whole aura, so confident um, the whole time. Even when the situation was turning for the worse. Uh, and they were uh, having to pick up uh, the team on the penal colony, and they were facing down the wraith dart. She was like, let's get our men. And I was just like, yeah, you go, Elizabeth. My one, I don't know, really know if it's a criticism, because I, I sort of um, appreciate this about Atlantis, and I think you guys know that. But I noticed that um, Marin, the secretary lady... Or the tour guide lady that was helping them after she was arrested uh, for nothing. She had requested their help. And I think they just left her in jail. <laughs> on the right. Right? Because they, they were, like, talking to the magistrate. And they were like, what's going to happen to her? And the magistrate's like, well, she'll have a fair trial. Quote unquote, obviously, it's yeah, gonna sure. be. Yeah, exactly. And then they're like, okay, well, we only really care about our people, so give us our people back. Uh, and then <laughs> I was like, okay, 
slay, but also, uh, that poor lady, I felt kind of bad. Yeah, they just, they forgot about her, or all the people that got unrightfully arrested on, <laughs> on the planet, or on the, in, like, in the city, and, you know, the brave came down onto the city and probably killed all of them, so she's probably dead, That's... and they just freed all the prisoners on the, on the island, so... <laughs> Yay for that, but also please help the lady that helped them and made them kind of realize how bad things are right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it also makes no sense, though, because they were like, we can't take anyone. They took Elden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they said, you look like a loser. You're coming with us. They were like, you look too cool. They're like, you look like you have your life together. They're like, we own this island of misfit toys. They're like, we accept only the weirdos here. <laughs> she had her life together too much, basically. Yeah. They're like, sorry. So true. It would have it would have been fun if they took her back and she came like Elizabeth's assistant. Ooh. Because I feel like Elizabeth definitely needs someone to take off some of the workload she has. Like, I don't want... How many people are on Atlantis? I don't know. 100, 200, 300. The amount of reports she's gonna have, requests she's gonna have. She needs a fucking assistant. 100%. I think this woman would be... I think her name was Marin. Would be, would be great for that job. And maybe she can wear some clothes where can, she can do more normal-sized um, steps and not just, like... Because <laughs> yeah. she couldn't really walk! That poor woman! She had, like, a pencil skirt and... Yeah. yeah. A long one, too. So it was, like, restrictive. Yeah. It was like, how do yeah. you how do you bend down in that? You yeah, tear you something. Can't. She's definitely yeah. not running from the police like... in that. <laughs> can guarantee... <laughs> Just <laughs> like maybe that's the reason. Yeah, maybe that's the reason why they. That's like they're like, okay, we have to have our fashion in a way that they can't run. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Oh, fashion I think I... stuff is that's uh, the reason why. The uh... <laughs> no, I thought you were saying that's the reason why they left her behind. They're like, we can't, we can't move. <laughs> bitch, we need to run. <laughs> jumper and she just couldn't she was like hop and they just took off she's just damn but that kind of yeah. brings you to another point um, though like the fact that okay so it was a penal colony and some people were arrested for like petty crimes and like um they didn't, weren't actually all murderers that went to the island and like i don't believe in prison as like an institution so whatever but Potentially, there is murderers among the people that they let go through the gate. So I'm kind of wondering, like, the implications on Pegasus society that this mass exodus of some guilty and some not prisoners will have, you know, another one of Atlantis's crimes against humanity. <laughs> oh, gosh, I hope that. Yeah. They're so stupid. They are so... They don't think things through ever. No. This is their problem, is that they were just like, let's free everyone. 
Because it's not like you can stand at the gate and Except be like... Except the woman yeah. who is actually innocent. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, so Oh my bad. god. Everything, everything they touch, they ruin everything they touch, truly. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's so bad. So Like, how is that possible? Every single thing. No mission ever goes right. None. Zero. No, no. Even, not to bring Elizabeth up again, but even <laughs> she, I think she's being slowly corrupted. Like, slowly. But it started with the um, weapons trade or whatever they did. And now she's threatening that guy. Like, she she's also abandoning some of her... I don't know if she's, it's like just a new acquired skill <laughs> and little, um, but yeah, she's, she, she added threat to her repertoire of, um, negotiation skills. Certainly did. Yeah, so true. I was going to bring that up because I was like, never, <laughs> I think I would see the day where Elizabeth like resorts to threatening so quick. And I was kind of like, I, like, I don't mind her going, like, all evil with them. I really don't. Like, go off, Queen. But I think it's just kind of... It was just kind of a shock, I think, more than anything. Because we've seen Elizabeth be so much on the other side. And I'm kind of curious, too. Was it just, like, maybe, like, just in the moment? Because she's, like, worried about the team so much that she was just like, all right, let's do it. Or was it, like, a... Because I don't really remember her ever being on their side when they do war crimes. <laughs> This might be one of the few times where she was like, all right, war criminal brain on. She's like, gotta threaten this guy because my team's here. And so I'm very eager to see um, if she does it again or if this is just like a one-time thing where she was like on their side. Yeah, I like in my head canon, it was pretty much because her her family was in danger. like, And they lied to her about... Because I... They said they were looking for a team, right? Like, yeah. no, but they, they definitely were not. And they just lied to her. And she, I think she's just very, you better not lie to Elizabeth. It's not, it's not a, it's not a smart move. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And don't mess with her, with her people. She's, she's very protective. Yeah. I also think like the yeah, thing with the Ray thing is also like a no, no. Because they were, like, allying themselves with the Wraith against their own people. So I feel like maybe she was like, eh, that's one step too far. I can't accept that. But definitely her family was in jeopardy. And so I think that's when the Stone Cold Elizabeth comes out. <laughs> Badass Elizabeth. Um, and then also just a little shout out to Lorne. Just for being there. <laughs> for being He was kind of sassy, too. He was, like, giving some sass back. And he had, like, the gun out. He was like, don't try it. Um... So I love when I love when Lauren um, is just there as a presence. It's just fun to have him. And then when he's like a little sassy and he's like he's got Elizabeth's back, I'm like, aw. When he's all bodyguard mode. Yeah, I love this little relationship that he is going on with uh, Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, like he he <laughs> he knows how much um, AR one means to her and how how it just. I guess how much the whole expedition means to her. And yeah, very, very sweet. 
Yeah, and I feel like it's a continuing thread as well where he's sort of the guy that she relies on when AR1 is in trouble. Like, Lauren is sort of the rock, uh, someone she can depend on when her premier team is either in jeopardy or um, MIA. So, yeah, I like the nice beginnings of their whole thing. It's really nice to see. Going back to the team dynamic, I just love uh, sort of, like, the unity they kind of had. Like, I'm happy that there wasn't, like, more... I mean, obviously, I know that, like, John and Ronan were kind of having their own little separate fighting. Um, but, like, I feel like at least, like, the whole team, they were, like, together. Like, I'm happy it wasn't, like, a... I mean, it, maybe it would have been interesting to see, like, more fighting among them or whatever. And then eventually, at the end of the episode, they kind of, like, reached, like, okay, we're a team now. But I'm happy either way. Uh, <laughs> and again, I just really love little moments. Um, I love when they show up and they start talking to the, the guy... Um, the magistrate uh and they look so fucking disgusted there's that team show of all of them standing in a row and they're just trading looks like this is a penal colony and they're like totally judging and like it's so funny i mean they they're allowed to judge but it's just funny because i mean they you know in the outcome of this episode is like okay girl you guys did not help at all they thought they were so cool they thought they were going to be so helpful bitch no um, never. <laughs> so there's that one. Never. Um, again, all of them getting captured. So funny. <laughs> they're idiots, your honor. Uh, when they try to escape, or when they see the jumper in the distance, and they're like, this is too easy. And they're like in the bushes. And just all the little moments where jo- uh, John's like, we have to be quiet. And he's like glaring at Ronnie. Ronnie's like, what do I have to say? Like, why me? Like, why are you looking at me? And then like, Taylor like pushes him forward. She's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then uh, when they're the, the whole little thing with uh, Ronan and John as well, where Ronan's just like calls him out. He's like, I thought you didn't want to fight. And John's like, oh, I'm just lazy. Um, and then, <laughs> and also Eldon, I don't know his actor. I just want to shout him out too. I wish I, I should have looked up his name before, but I love Eldon's actor. I think he did a fantastic job. And just kind of, you can see him in the background, just kind of like blinking at things. And it's so fun. But I love the moment when they're like in the grass again and they're, like, you know, running to, like, hide behind. And he, like, does a flip or something <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> or he does, he does, like, some sort of half roll, and he pops up, like, behind John, like, like, <laughs> it's, it's just so endearing. Again, it's just little moments of just random background acting from everyone, including the main cast, that I think just, yeah, solidifies this episode as semi-decent. Justice for Alden. Justice, you will never be forgotten, King. You will be, you have have the highest honor bestowed upon you. You are in the jumping puddles canon. Exactly. <laughs> we'll never forget you now. But yeah, Sam, I agree. I feel like uh, this is a common uh, idea on the show. But the <laughs> idea that the, the actors, their innate chemistry, but also their micro expressions, their background acting... Things that are not explicit in the script really make the show and really just make the characters. It's just a fun experience. It makes it feel real. It makes their relationships feel genuine. Um, I really enjoy one moment in particular when they were discussing how the penal colony works to Elizabeth on the phone. And 
they were bickering about uh, Canada and the U.S.'s differing laws on capital punishment. And that was really funny. Super in character for the boys to be like that. <laughs> um, but also taking it further, like Rodney's love, uh, like talking about what he would prefer, like lethal injection or the electric chair. And John's reaction I am obsessed with their shared morbid sense of humor. I think it's her great and such an awesome element of their friendship. Uh, and something we can see continuing through the show, which is great. <laughs> um, what else? And going back to what you said about John, like him mentioning he was lazy, uh, <laughs> was so good because he totally is. I feel like, yes, 100%. Um, even though he's a super competent guy when he's on mission, I just feel like he'd rather be spending his days, like, lounging on his bed, reading sports magazines, golfing, you know, like, just being lazy. Um, and then, I guess, an element of of <laughs> of acting physical comedy that was really good in this episode was when, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned this already, but Taylor goes to break the six. Uh, and of course she does it on the first try. It snaps beautifully and she has her two little bantos rods. And then John sees and he's like, Ooh, that looks so freaking badass. I want to try. And he picks up the chunkiest log he can find on the ground and tries <laughs> to snap it over his knee. His geriatric 35, 40 year old knee. <laughs> and compared to Taylor's 20 year old knee. And I just thought it was so funny that he was unsuccessful and decided to use the stick as a club <laughs> instead. It was just wonderful. So good. So I love how even when they fight, these characters are in character, you know? I was thinking the exact same thing. Oh my god, I'm cracking up here. Help. I'm crying. It's so funny. And it's exactly oh. what you said. Taylor is all elegant and like has like these sleek sticks now and is just doing badass things. <laughs> and John just, just clubs the guy with this huge. Oh, he's such an idiot. He's such an idiot. I love him. <laughs> Um, it's it's just so wow I love him so much <laughs> and I love that they made him a loser yes thank you pathetic man loser loser representation appreciate it <laughs> we need yes. we need more 100% I don't know how the hell we haven't talked about this before this entire episode are you kidding me the amount of the amount of gifts the amount of screen caps the amount of material juicy material there is um, that everyone was tied up with their hands behind their back and had collars on. Yeah, fucking collars. That they did it really did it for me. I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. They had to have known like what they were doing, right? Everyone has like dirt on their face, and they're like a little bit sweaty, so they have like the shiny makeup on, but it's like the attractive sweaty. And it was very, it was very. It was very <laughs> and like like tie like in front or like up. They had behind. They had a collar too. Like okay, 
I didn't know I didn't know they rolled like that in this damn penal colony. Yep. And can I just say, Rodney's arms were distracting me in every scene. Every scene when he was on the thing and his hands were like that and his whole chest was just out. And then, and then when he was fixing the jumper and he had the short sleeves on and you were seeing his arms. And I was like, ah. Okay, but... Taylor in her purple shirt? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, mm. My favorite Taylor shirt, by the way. Oh, she looks so good. And, and she was fighting in it, in it as well, yeah, right? So yeah. she usually wears like the jacket or something, but it just like just in the in the pants and the the, the, the top and the sticks. And... Yeah, off her arms. Love it. I, oh. it's it's so started. Good. You look so good. <laughs> I, 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 I like. I appreciate. Thank you for that. Thank, thank you. Um, I don't know how I feel about. I think. I think Ronan gets better outfits as he goes along. Right. I'm not sure about the all beige. I feel like, or I also didn't. I also like when his hair is pulled back into like the pony. Me too. I think he has like a ponytail, right? Yeah. Okay. I like that hairstyle more. So. I was like, okay, you look good, but I know you're going to look better. Mm-hmm. So I'll wait for that. But John? <laughs> oh! It's like a start. Just like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Your honor. Whoa. <laughs> Thank you, costuming department. <laughs> In the collar. Like, wait, wait. Just, you know what the... I'm <laughs> shaking. Um. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. Really. Mm. They knew what they were doing. I appreciate them. For it's our the lives. jumping puddles, simping hour. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. That was wow. They weren't even like standing up either. They were like on their knees. It's just like you really had to go. You hit like every check mark on the box. I wanted all of them equally. <laughs> <laughs> they were dirt and all. Let's go. Let's go to the shack. Let's go to one of the one of the shacks over there. I got y'all. <laughs> like before the race come, quick, John, please. <laughs> Taylor, just one chance. Just one chance. I'm begging. <laughs> Baby, the one begging. <laughs> to Shay. To Stop. Shay. Behind the tree. Like, there was just so many in the jumper. Like, there was just so many places. Anywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. It was a horny jail. <laughs> yeah. We need it. I think it's the perfect way to end this episode. With me being thrown in horny jail. And you two are coming in there with me. Yeah, I mean, it's only fair. I mean, if Taylor is going, I'm there. <laughs> that anyway. Oh, yeah. Let me, let's stop right there. It's about to get real. It's about to get real rated R. So, I guess we can pass it on to Ash for the Bechdel test. Yes. Yeah, this one actually, this episode passes. We have a quick uh, interaction between Elizabeth and Marin. Yes! Woo! 
And I think I just continue with the behind the scenes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Bless you. Okay. Um, as for notes behind the scenes, um, this episode shares elements similar to the episode S- uh, of SG1, pr- uh, which is called Prisoners. Mm. Both involve a prison on the other side of the gate and a substance that can create nuclear energy without radioactivity. Both stories in, uh, conclude with the people from Earth um, helping the prisoners escape. True. Um, the video of the puddle jumper flying over the lake is uh, stock footage from the season one episode, Childhood's End. Oh. And it was also used in the episode Sanctuary. Oh. Um, the government building of the Allegiance um, is actually the chance uh, center for the performing arts at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. This building is often used for cipher shows, for example, also for Battlestar Galactica, because it looks so futuristic. Oh, cool. That's not my neck of Canada, but dang, I want to visit there so I can see that. This is the first episode in which Taylor refers to Shepard by his first name, and in which Shepard refers to Ronan as Chewie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love this nickname. Can't wait to hear it again. Love that. And I can't believe this is the first time Taylor said John. Yeah, I'm surprised she hasn't said it earlier, to be honest. But I like that, though. That's like, finally, like, she's kind of comfortable around him, and now she can yeah. kind of say it. I like that. Yeah, yeah. me too. Uh, we have a few recurring actors. Um, Alan C. Peterson, who played the magistrate, previously played the um, canon on the, the SG-1 episode Demons. Um, Christian Bocker, uh, who plays Torell, I think he's the main prisoner guy, um, previously played Major Dean Newman in the SG-1 episode Shades of Grey, and Raymond Gunn slash Dr. Levant in the episode Wormhole Extreme and 200. Oh! I did not fucking recognize him. <laughs> I had to look him up. I was like, this is the same guy? This is the same guy? How is that possible? Acting. But... <laughs> yeah. Whoa! I, they definitely did something with his hair, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like... I, and I think like- a beard... Oh, beard. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like he had like a yeah. That's and I felt so like he had cool, a completely though. different face. Also, like the form of his face. It was yeah, insane transformation. It's crazy. Yeah, last one. Um, the Wraith Commander is played by our buddy James Lafazanas again. Oh, how are you pronouncing? Uh, yeah, who he played basically all male Wraith in this season or in this show so far. He's played Jimmy, Steve, Mister Hooper, Gordon, Bob. And another Wraith commander. Oh, wow. So I guess at some point they just they just stopped naming the Wraith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They couldn't come up with names anymore. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why they just kept bringing him back was because um, they had like the mask, like the prosthetics are just molded to his face. They have like the mold of his face so you can just reuse the mask, I guess, or just oh. reuse the mold and just keep maybe doing a few changes so he looks like diff- different hair, so he looks mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's, it's so f- he, he played one, two, three, four, five, six, six or seven characters <laughs> so far. Yeah. They um, seem pretty different, too, which is kind of fun. Yeah. 
A few more notes. Um, a lot of the costumes from the prisoners on uh, the colony are from the movie Waterworld from 1995, starring Kevin Costner. And yeah, they were just rented for this episode. Yeah. Oh, funny. Uh, Why? I love that. <laughs> also, a lot of the extras on the penal colony were stunt people because of all the explosions going on. <laughs> which is... Makes sense. Yeah. Also, I didn't know that I got that from the uh, audio commentary. Lauren is a actually named after Peter DeLuise's brother-in-law. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Fun. I think Lauren is a cool name. I feel like Lauren is a cool last name. I like it. I yeah. love Lauren. Yeah. Me the too. name. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I really like this one. The one big guy on Lauren's team uh, is John Millington, and he was a former Canadian uh, Football League player. Uh, he's a two-time Grey Cup champion, which is, I guess, the Canadian Super Bowl? It is, it is. <laughs> and he was named Grey, uh, the Grey Cup's most valuable Canadian in 2000. What? Uh, um, yeah, he did... I If I... Heard that correctly, he did stand-ins for Christopher Judge on SG1, and then came to Atlantis if they um, when they needed like a big someone with the big guns, basically. <laughs> wow, you know it's interesting because our team uh, won the Grey Cup just recently, like a couple of weeks ago, three oh. or two weeks ago. So yeah, damn. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, now I know what the Grey Cup is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't do, we're not a part of the American League, but we have our own league here. And uh, it's obviously not on the scale um, of American football. But it's funny because our season runs into November so we have snow, like, on the field, and they're, like, playing in the middle of winter. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, damn. That is so Canadian. I'm sorry. But... <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So, Goof. At 44 seconds into the episodes, uh, in the burning rubble, there's an upside-down Oreo wrapper. <laughs> oh my god. One of the cast yeah, that's that. it. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? That's John's, that's just John's, uh, Oreo wrapper. Oh, yeah. From his it fell out of his pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's it for me. Well, I was going to pass it over to Tor. Uh, I don't know if you have any fic recommendations. Uh, it's kind of a hard episode to do. Yeah, so there is no, as we like to say, episode tag fic for this one that I could think of off the top of my head. Um, but there was one that I thought suited episode-ish. So I mentioned uh, in the episode how um, the team was sort of used as collateral to get Rodney to do uh, repairs. 
And this is quite a common trope, not only in the show, but also in fic. Like, a lot. A lot of fic have or use this as a plot device. So, one of the most, I think, memorable fics that use this um, as a device is called Catalysis by uh, Chandri. And we'll link, of course, the fic in our show notes. Um, and the premise is basically uh, Rodney and his team of scientists, including Nico, Zelenka, I think Simpson, um, are trapped in this tower with these um, people who are trying to rebel against their government. And they basically threaten the lives of Rodney's science team in order to get him to make certain changes to this tower that will help them politically. Um, And so it deals with this sort of um, scenario interspersed with Rodney having to go back on Earth on a forced vacation trying to deal with um, being put in that position emotionally. So I liked it a lot because I love the trope. I think it's so awesome because we get to see a little bit of emotional turmoil from Rodney and that gooey marshmallow center that I love outside of the steel exterior. Um, but also it's sort of a mystery because we're not really sure exactly what went on um, in the tower. And the author gives little peeks into um, what exactly happened throughout um, Rodney's stay on Earth. So it's long. It's it's uh, like 50,000 words or something, but it's quite incredible. It's really well written. Um, the character dynamics are great. Um, if you're a Rodney fan, I highly recommend it. It's really good. Yeah, I'm excited. I think I'll check that out now too when you, uh, we link it. <laughs> yes. Okay, and I think that's kind of it. Um, I don't know if any of us want to say ending comments. <laughs> I don't know if we want to rate it. I feel kind of bad about rating this episode. I just feel like it's going to get kind of... Or What do you think? I just want to say that um, not my rating, but on IMDb, I think it got a 7.2. Okay, so that's not bad. That's not bad. Why is it so high? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't understand. Seven point two. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's really rather generous. Maybe the critics are like us, and they were like, "Oh, but the character moments were so good, so we have to give Maybe, it a better." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I think a six point two so, is more yeah. accurate. Yeah, that's fair. Let's say that much. I would write it lower than 7.2. Yeah. Easily. Because if you think about it, 5 is like average, right? 5 is like mid. I was also thinking 5 and... Yeah. I was also thinking of 5 maybe. And I tried to like write down points that I liked. So it was like one for Elizabeth because she was cool. (laughs) One for Taylor's fighting. Yeah. Uh, one for wraith culture and one for team goodiness. I was like four and I, okay, maybe I can up it to 
five. <laughs> for yeah. some reason. Because I feel bad I'm... giving it. Because I feel like if it was four, then it would be just... Four seemed too cruel, but yeah, probably five. Yeah. And that's pretty bad for, for us, I feel like. Because we, like, especially me, I usually rank like eight, nine, ten, or even nine, ten. Or eleven. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh yeah. Fair, that's fair. I think honestly, I think I'm the mean one. I think I'm gonna give it a four. I think I'm gonna stick with the four. Definitely worst episode so far. Yeah. I'm gonna say yay for character dynamics and moments and acting and the little bit of Wraith lore that we got, like you mentioned, Ash, and Nay. For general plot nothingness. <laughs> Literally nothing. So, that's it. Feel free to check out all of our links down in the description. And be sure to check out Tor's uh, FitGrack. And also check out all of our Jumping Puddles social media accounts if you want to see what we're up to or what we sort of, uh, when we update you guys on a new episode or just random things we'll update you guys on. And also check out our personal social media accounts if you want to see what we're actually up to besides our public personas. <laughs> if you want to see us talking about uh, Stargate or other fandoms, uh, check us out. Conventions. And yeah. <laughs> uh, conventions. Yeah, exactly. Only Ash, but I can <laughs> I, I have yet to go. One day, one day. <laughs> GateCon, one day. One day. One year, one we'll make it all to GateCon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In Canada. We're trying to get out there. <laughs> yeah! My home and native land! Canada. Be sure to check out our next episode, which is Trinity. <gasps> oh! That's gonna be like four <laughs> hours long. <laughs> gonna have to bring a goddamn snack. Because, yeah, that's gonna be quite a podcast. You will not want to miss that episode. The drama. <laughs> Thanks. The drama. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Bye. Bye. All right, you clowns, listen up. I don't often get a chance to say this, so savor it. Good work, boys and girls. Let's go home.